Welcome to another episode of the Brown and Black Podcast. My name is Jack Rico. And I'm Mike Sargent. And every week we take a look at race and pop culture through a brown and black lens. The Oscar nominations just happened a week ago. And interestingly, right off the bat, I feel like the first thing that critics of color, the press of color, wants to do a diversity report. Is it getting worse? Is it getting better? But I feel like this year we had a great year, Mike. I do too. And it's interesting. You call it, I I like the idea of like diversity report. Brown and black on the diversity report. You're right. It is. And it's interesting where we're at. And I'm glad we're going to go into it in the midst of the background of the country is that they're dismantling everything that's DEI and and demonizing Mm -hmm. immigrants and, and, and just people who are anything less than white. Or let me just say darker than white. Let me just not say less. So. I think it's actually in some ways amazing, but in other ways, I think it says some other things. So the way I think most people should listen to this episode is, look, you read the news all the time. You know what's going on in the world, right? But then you want to go entertain yourself by watching the Oscar Awards. Oh, it's celebrities. But here's what you don't know. No, it's not just celebrities. It's not gloss. It says something about you. It says something about how you feel about the world. So, for example, if if we were to break down right now and do a quick look at an x-ray on the best pictures of this year. Wouldn't you say that these pictures say something about what we like as a society, what we feel is great movie making? Do you feel it says something about us? This is very interesting that you you framing this question in this way, because I recently had a conversation about just this, but in the sense of for what kind of black films actually get the attention of the academy and i say this as a black person as an african-american and i was having this with a friend of mine who's an african-american and his issue was he didn't like the fact that it had to be about the struggle or had to have some social commentary why can it just be about us living life and it have nothing to do with race and all the films that are nominated are films that have something to say all of them, whether it's about the Holocaust or it's about bombs or whether it's about feminism, those are the kinds of films that get nominated. So I think it does say a lot about us as a society. But two things here. Some of what gets nominated is very popular, makes a billion dollars. Some of what gets nominated makes less than $25 million. So what do the nominations say and what does the box office say? I think what gets nominated says a lot about our taste. And I think how much money those nominees make says a lot about our taste, too. So let's look at the 2024 Best Picture nominees here. And we had three, 
three films of color, I believe. And and Mike, I don't know if you think that Killers of the Flower Moon is a Native American film or is a white film, because the subject matter, the, the core theme of what drives it is not white. It's Native Americans. They're the victims. So is it a Native American film or not? Um, to me, no, it is not. But wow, uh, interesting. But, uh, so it's not a film of color, to you? No, it is a white lens on what has happened to uh, a community of color. But it is not a film made by the community that was affected by it. So I, I don't see it as that. I, the lens in which the story was told does not make it a Native American film. It makes it a film about Native Americans. I can name a lot of Westerns that were about Native Americans that featured Native Americans largely, but it, I wouldn't call it. Well, one American of those Native, Native Americans is being nominated, nominated yes. historically for a Best Actress uh, Award. I agree. All right. So we got American Fiction, which a lot of people weren't sure if it was going to make the Best Picture uh, category because it's an indie film. At the end of the day, and it's a lot of social satire. And so maybe white voters who aren't going to be happy with a film like this that's constantly making them look bad. But that's the commentary. And the fact that they allow it to happen is ironic. But I love it. And the fact that we're celebrating it as one of the best movies of the year, it has me singing a lovely tune. Then we got Past Lives. Now, this is a South Korean movie to me even though it has American elements to it. And the lead is Greta Lee, who did not get nominated for Best Actress, but she's been getting a lot of love from the award season and a lot of the voters. So I thought she was going to make it. Unfortunately, she did it. Three out of 10, Mike. Is this progress or not? It is absolutely progress. But you also asked that question earlier, and I want to come back to it. You said, what do these nominees say about us? I think... Looking at as I'm as we're talking, I'm looking at these titles, and the thing that they all have in common is that they're all not all of them, but what most of them have in common is that they're they're stories that we really don't hear that much. They're stories that haven't necessarily been told. So, I think that says something about us too. Before we move on to the acting categories, I did want to make a mention about the quality of the films this year versus last year. Mm. Now, last year, for color, for people of color, man, we, we want big Michelle Yeoh, uh, everything, everywhere, all at once. But if you look at the quality of films, and let me go through it really quick. Tell me what you think. How would you qualify these two years? So last year, we had everything everywhere all at once. All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar, The Way of the Water. Blue, we even had Blue People. A, blue, a Blue People story was... Blue People, right? There it is. Elvis, The Fablemans, Tar, Top Gun, Triangle of Sadness, Women Talking. I don't think barely any of these movies hold a candle to almost most of the movies of this year. I 1,000% agree. Anatomy of a Fall, The Holdovers, Killer, Killers of the Flower Moon, Maestro, Oppenheimer, Past Lives, Poor Things, The Zone of Interest, American Fiction, Barbie. Maybe two of them, you could argue that maybe shouldn't be there, but damn it, man. 
all, I would put any of the movies this year against the ones last year strongly and feel that they're better movies. I 100% agree with you. And I won't even name what the two that I could say do, shouldn't necessarily be. <laughs> but <laughs> but I for me, one of them is poor things, man. I, I, I see. I can't get yeah, myself right, maybe that We movie. can say three. But yeah, I agree. Looking at the list of last year, some of them were good movies, but some of them, there's always like that, all right, we have to nominate this filmmakers. They're a legend. We have to nominate their film. There's always that right every year the, there's some legend has to have the lifetime work. achievement award behind the closed doors exactly exactly and then there's always the upcoming mogul the one who's they <laughs> need that because there is a politic clearly to the voting even though it now is a lot more diverse and yeah we had a lot more quality films this year in the acting categories mike in the best supporting actor, Sterling K. Brown made it. It's funny because I think an episode or two ago, yeah, you, you and I were talking gonna, about yeah, the one. I didn't think he was going to make it. You didn't think no, Sterling would make it. No, I did not. No, I did not. And here he is. Sterling K. Brown not only is an Emmy winner, now he's an Oscar nominee. Man. Yeah. So good for him. I think he's a great actor I and I'm too. glad he's getting some love. Yep. Lily Gladstone, clearly best actress. A lot of people think that she might win, but looks like Emma Stone, man. She's getting a lot of love, too. So let's see how that goes. But it could be a major, major win for Native Americans in the best actress category, because the last time that a Native American person won best actress almost 100 years ago in 1931. So, yeah, I hope she gets it. Then we have in the... And this is probably where you see the most amount of diversity is the best supporting actress. We got yeah. two black women. Yes. And we also have a Latina. Yes. Yeah. And what I love about this is essentially you're looking at 75% of that category, just women of color, and really kind of sets the tone for what hopefully diversity could look like at the Oscars within five to 10 years in every acting category. But damn, man, as a brown and black podcast, who do you go for, man? It's like, if one of them wins, it's a win for all of us. Uh, 100%. And this is a big deal for America Ferrara and for how far she's come. I have to wonder, and, and I'd love your take on it, I have to wonder how it feels to, to literally have a lot of your moment stolen by two white actresses who did not get nominated. So let me tell you about the importance of this America Ferreira nomination for those of you that might not grasp why this is special and why we shouldn't be talking about Margot Robbie, who's already getting exactly. best picture as producer. Greta Gerwig, adapted screenplay or original screenplay, she's getting loved there too. So it's not like she wasn't nominated. She just wasn't nominated in that category. And we'll get to that maybe later on. But right now, I'm going to do something that the press, that the white press did to do, which is talk about and focus on America Ferrera. So it's special because of this. She's only the third Latina ever to be nominated for Best Supporting Actress. The last two, Rita Moreno and Ariana DeBose two years ago. And maybe this is something that's not really talked about, but I, as a Latino film critic, there's a whole other layer from what Americans see, and that's this. She's also the first person of Honduran descent to be nominated for an Academy Award in the history of the Oscars. 
And Honduras as a country has never had a movie Oscar nomination. Mike, do you know when they started submitting movies out of Honduras for the Oscars? 2017. Wow. So imagine what this nomination means for Honduras and for Honduras actresses or actors or filmmakers or anybody who's aspiring to go to Hollywood. That's a whole country, Mike. And more Central Americans are heading into the United States more than ever. The population numbers show it. For me, this is about, yes, it's about America in both ways, America the country and America Ferreira. But it's also about South American culture, specifically Central America. Because if they win, it puts Honduras on the map. Could she become the first woman, the first filmmaker of Honduran descent to have a movie submitted from the Honduras or with blood lineage like that? I think there's a lot at stake here for representation. Might not be looked at so incisively, Mike, but that's why I feel this is a big deal. I did not realize that the Honduran film community was really that nascent and only started submitting. Mm -hmm. I did not know that. And yeah, I hadn't even considered her mixed heritage and specifically where she came from. But as you were saying, the only time ever nomination and the two actresses were nominated for the same role, it says also a lot about representation and what's being written, what parts are actually being written you not knowing about the her Honduran thing is totally, totally normal. Right. But see, I think that this is also the issue because to me, I as a Latino look at it like mm. that. To me, it's normal to look at it like mm. that. But I think as a black person, your mind isn't looking for that second citizenship, that dual cultural life. That is absolutely true. Because you look at America as an American who happens to be Latina within the context of the United States. And happens to be named America. So if you look at the snub, where does the snub come from? It comes from white people being fully entitled and going, but wait a minute, the default is white. So even if America got it, white is first. So we got to talk about right. everything, good or bad, about white stars and white people first. Once we got that out of our system, okay, America, now we can talk about you. And I think that this is the rub, right? The controversy coming in is that completely overshadowed by the snub of these women, instead of focusing on this rare achievement I just mentioned a little while ago, because you're putting America and even Ryan Gosling too which is the ironic thing about this whole Oscar nomination process. But you're putting America and Ryan in a position that when the press talks to you, what do you think they're asking first? What did you think about Greta and Margot Robbie not being nominated? We'll talk about your nomination later. And who is asking those questions to America Ferrera? It's not Jack Rico. I know that. So she's getting a white person, most likely not asking her about her totality as an American woman of mixed race. And that, to me, is the problem that we currently have in our media industry. 
what really strikes me about what some of what you're saying, Jack, is that, yes, this should be her moment. This should be a moment where we found out all these things about America yeah, Ferrara. Right? Wow. America Ferrara. Wow. You know, from Ugly Betty to Oscar nominee. That's what should have been the narrative. But instead it was Greta Gerwig and Margot Robbie. Is it a snub? What is it? That was the narrative for at least a week. And that was where you had, like you said, celebrities being asked, you had thought pieces on it. You had all of these things. And like I said, here I'm learning actually now from doing the show with you, something new about America Ferrara that I did not see or hear about in any headline or any article. And that is the rub to me. So for me, outside of that controversy, I do think that this is a great step forward towards the goal of being nominated every year, leaving the invisibility and becoming completely visible, which is the complete opposite of what we are. And I have been saying this for, I feel like, a few months already. I do think that this nomination also contributes to this larger conversation or this larger trend that I believe, and I don't know if anyone else is saying this, but I'm the one writing articles about this and talking about it on podcasts that I believe we're about to reach a Latino renaissance. It's already happening in music. Cinema is like the king, right? And if you look at Sundance and you look at the two big awards that came out of there, they went to two Latino movies. In the Summers with Rene from Calle 13 and Sasha Calle, who's Supergirl in the DC movie Flash. And you had Sujo, which is a, Me- a Mexican cartel film, but with a completely different take on cartel movies. And so you look at those two, wins the grand jury, wins the world cinema for drama, and you put together the music and you put together Bad Bunny on SNL talking in Spanish. You look at America Ferreira, And you start putting things together. You start connecting dots, Mike. This could be a bigger... And if she wins it, which I don't think she will, I think Danielle Brooks from The Color Purple is going to take this because her performance was extraordinary. But America contributed to the cinema landscape. She must be celebrated for that, at least from her culture. And I hope that other cultures, black, white, Asian celebrate what she's done. Remember, she's been Ugly Betty, man. Golden Globes, Emmy Award nominations and wins. And she's been in this game for a long time. One of the biggest voices for Latino advocacy. She's a huge, true champion for us. So I'm so happy that she's she was nominated, man. I agree. I am pleased too. And you are so optimistic because I hope you're right. Look, Coleman Domingo becomes the first Afro-Latino Best Actor nominee in history. And he could win it, but will he? And if he does win it, that could set off an Afro-Latino trend like we've never seen before. We feel like we're getting 
traction. It's starting to become mainstream. We can see that, but it hasn't reached the peak yet. We had Arian of the Bows, which is as peak as it gets. But the best actor category, it's like a heavyweight championship matchup with uh, Jeffrey Wright and everybody else, Killian Murphy. And it'll be interesting to see if he wins it. I think it would be extremely special. If you think about all the data that we've heard in the last several years about at Latino actors in front of a camera as leads, that the number has ranged anywhere from 3 to 6% of Latinos being leads in movies from like 2007 to 2018. I think most of them are white skin Latinos, not black Latinos, not Afro Latinos. So that slice is even smaller. As a Latino person myself, looking at the Coleman Domingo, very different than what a black person looks at Coleman Domingo. And I wanted to get your thoughts on how you view him. Do you view him as an Afro-Latino? Well, I absolutely. Because okay. I, I got, yeah, you do? I, do. I, I don't, Mike. Well, I don't. Here's the thing. I, he's, a, he's a black man to me. Interesting. To me, perhaps it's because of my life experience. And you know that I have Afro-Latino friends like Eric Velasquez and Frank Reyes. And so to me, the Afro-Latino is something that's always existed in my world. It's always existed in my field of vision. I see Coleman Domingo. I've met, I obviously interviewed him over the years and things like that. And I've been in theater and I've known Afro-Latinos in the arts and, and heard poems about it, all of that. So it's a little different to me looking at a Coleman Domingo, but I will say this. He's often cast as just black. He's been in, in the eyes of Hollywood. Most movies when often or always. Oh, okay. I would say almost all right. always. Always. No, fine. Always. You're right. All right. Damn it. All right. Always. He's cast as black. But when you're a certain kind of Latino, you can pass for white. But when you're another kind of Latino, you can pass for black. So black passing is a thing. It's never talked about but specifically, but it's a thing. And is it hindering your career or is it helping your career? If he's an Afro-Latino actor, do Afro-Latinos relate to him as an Afro-Latino? Because he doesn't do that to me. Yeah, but let me. The man reads black to all me. Right, but let me challenge you on that. Just like I was saying, or, or and you were saying, we've been saying, the best supporting actress is only three times and twice for the same role. How many Afro-Latino roles we in the last two years, maybe we've seen and in they cartoons them, that what roles, how many Afro-Latino roles can you think of an Afro-Latino role he could have played in the, that was written in a film in the last. He could have voiced Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> we got back to the many. same film that's already nominated. So I'm saying, and that, the director is Latino. So I, I'm saying, yeah, I, he doesn't read that way. He does, He's not cast that way. He's not known that way because what stories are being told that would come up. It's just, it's not happening. Or what cues or what identification? Right. Look, here's, here's what I'm saying. The man's about to star as Joe Jackson, Michael Jackson's father. I don't remember Joe Jackson being Afro Latino. <laughs> he's a black man. He is. Then he's going to write and direct, I think I understand, as Nat King Cole. I'm trying to remember if 
Nat King Cole is like Colombian or something or Mexican or Puerto Rican. No, he's not. He's just black. So if he's in Afro-Latinos, then do Afro-Latinos relate to him? Or, Mike, should he change who he is to fit in the Afro-Latino world? Or should he stay as is? Because this, to me, is the biggest problem as a Latino. I feel I cannot claim him. I feel that if I claim him, I'm really claiming a black man because nothing about him says Afro-Latino to me, right? You look at the cues. You're looking for connection, cultural connection, not bloodlines or genetics. Just like I need to know that you and I see eye to eye culturally. It's going to be hard for me, let's say I'm the editor-in-chief of an Afro-Latino magazine, to put him on the cover and then to ask him, tell us about your Afro-Latino love. And he'll be like, I really don't have much to show. Does he speak the language? I don't think he does. I've never heard him speak Spanish. Has he raised his Guatemalan flag? Does Oscar Isaac wave his Guatemalan flag? I just feel the dude has made a choice. And I feel the press, especially the Afro-Latino and the Latino press, who want to claim him, who want to put him on cover of magazines. This is where it becomes difficult for us. Oh, Bruno Mars, he's Latino. I go, is he? Yeah, he's an eighth Puerto Rican. So we can put him on the cover of People in Espanol magazine or Latino Life magazine, right? And you go, but will people resonate with him being a Latino figure and champion? No! The man just did a movie about the civil rights. Not about Cesar Chavez and the Latino rights. So, Mike, I love Coleman Domingo, but it is hard for me to claim Coleman as an Afro-Latino, even though he is one. I just don't feel he identifies as one. Therefore making me not feel fully connected. I've known of Coleman Domingo for a long time because I know him from theater and I know people who know him, blah, 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 blah. And I do know that he is fluent in Spanish. And I've heard he can speak French too. But again, he's never been called upon to do that. There are a couple of things I just want to hit upon that you mentioned. Identifiers. Again, growing up in New York and knowing other Afro-Latinos, it's that combination. Coleman, that totally sounds like a black name to me. Domingo, totally Latino Uh, right away. So when I see him and I've seen him in films, there's just something about him that, yeah, he not, yeah, he not just black. I look at him. I know it. I look at him. I know it, but that's me. The average person, I guarantee 98% of the viewing audience wouldn't necessarily feel that way. But you said something else too about being part of the Afro-Latino world, again, tapping into the Afro-Latino world. Culturally, private life, who knows what he does, but that Afro-Latino world in terms of film and media, what world? What? I, like, I don't even know if there's an island yet. Maybe there's an island Bro, building I, because I feel like where and there's no never been a show or a character in a show or... I can't even think of, other than knowing the actual heritage of these actors, I cannot think of a, 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 a and now a cartoon character, I cannot think of an Afro-Latino character that 
from film or TV that is, can you think of one? No. Exactly. So I feel like this is what all the promise of someone like him being what he is, being a black passing, having done all these roles, played all these types of characters, right? Yet still being an Afro-Latino, yet also being gay and not, it's not something you didn't know. So that's a lot. You were talking about progress. I'd say that's probably the biggest progress we've could have made in this industry is Coleman Domingo. Let's look at it like this. If you're an Afro-Latino, I don't blame you for choosing black. You know why? Because if you choose black, then what you're really choosing is the crest of the hierarchy in the black community. Black is the top. If you're looking at Latinos, then your skin color is not at the top. Your skin color is all the way at the bottom. So I can see how the love, the resonance, the connection, the feeling, the belonging is with the black community, not with the Latino ones. Look at what happened within the Heights. They celebrated Latino and they left Afro-Latinos out because they don't think about them. Latinos don't even think about them. They're not on network television. They're really not anywhere. I mean, there's key moments that we have indicated, but it's not prevalent by any means. This guy's the first Afro-Latino Best Actor nominee in the history of the Oscars, man. It's going to take a while. That's it for this episode of Brown and Black. If you would like to support this podcast, please subscribe and leave a review. Your help will allow us to be heard by many more people. You can follow our comments and opinions on at Brown Black Podcast on X, formerly known as Twitter, Threads, Instagram, and now on YouTube. We'll see you on the next episode of Brown and Black.